Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello there, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me in episode number three. In this episode, we are going to talk about those readers that really, really throw us for a loop because they can read so, so fluently, but their comprehension is really non-existent or very, very poor. Whenever I first started teaching, I had this giant group of third graders all together. If I'm remembering right, there were like 22 third graders in just that, like just on my caseload. I had other grade levels, but 22 third graders. And eventually I also followed them to fourth grade, which I loved, but it was my first year of teaching. I have a giant group of 22 third graders and I am trying to figure out what the heck to do with some of these kids. Now, my lowest kids, I felt like I knew exactly what to do. We needed the basics. We needed some sight words. We needed some decoding, some encoding. I felt like I knew what to do with them. My middle of the pack kids, I felt like I knew exactly what to do with them. Again, some more advanced decoding skills, but I knew what they needed. Sight words, decoding, some encoding. We needed to practice some fluency. I felt like I knew somewhat what they needed for me. And then I had this group of about eight high students and I had no clue what the heck to do with them. They could read exactly word for word what was on the page. Maybe they would have a miscue here or there. Maybe they would need my help with a difficult word or a proper noun or something like that. But overall, they were reading very, very fluently. And then you would ask them a question and nothing. Their comprehension was either non-existent or very, very poor. And I didn't know what to do with those students. Well, with a few years of experience and a little bit of research and a little bit of trial and error, I now know why those students could read so fluently. However, they lacked comprehension. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. I want to share the four things that students either are lacking entirely or they have some skill, it's just not efficient, or it's just very poor, very low level. So the first thing that students are missing are strategies, which in the last episode, we talked a lot about skills and strategies. Skills, they have, these fluent readers, they have decoding skills. They have the ability to recall words. Maybe they're so good at recalling words, they don't need a lot of decoding skills. We see that a lot too. They could read fluently. They had a good foundation of skills, but what they were lacking was a reading strategy or strategies to help them understand what they're reading. So as teachers, I feel like once we know what they're missing, we're really good at beginning the search to figure out, okay, how can I help you learn to do X, Y, and Z? 
Now that I know what you're lacking, now I can help you teach, I can teach you and you can learn some of those things. So begin looking at some of your readers who can read so beautifully and then they don't know what happened in the story or they can't recall some of those details or retell what happened. They are more than likely missing some of those strategies that good readers, including oftentimes, including the teacher, just does so naturally that we really need to take a step back and realize you know, making a prediction is not something that comes naturally. Asking questions is not something that comes naturally to them. So we have to help them learn how to do that. We need to facilitate an environment that makes it so that they are ready to implement those so that they can practice those strategies in a safe environment where they're helped and supported. So lacking strategies is one of the biggest, biggest reasons why certain students can read something so beautifully and they often can fool their classroom teachers. They can fool their parents because it is, oftentimes we think they're lazy. Well, you read it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they had any clue what those words actually meant. Funny story, I love, love, love to read. In the summertime, I could literally sit by the pool all day long, take my, we always go to the public pool, I take my kids, and I tell them, we will stay until I finish my book, I run out of Diet Coke, or you two start arguing, whichever comes first. And usually it's that I'm running out of Diet Coke. Um, but I love to read and my aunt has a pool and sometimes on occasion we would go there and she could not understand why I loved reading so much. She's like, literally what, what happens? She's like, I read things. I don't even know what it said. I don't even know what's going on. How do you read all the time? And so for her, it's like, she probably doesn't picture it as vividly in her head as I do mine. I literally have dreams about the books that I'm reading. If I am like really, really in it, I will wake myself up dreaming what I think is going to come next. Other people don't experience that. Other people who are poor readers, they don't get in the book like I'm getting in the book. And we have to help our kids see that and experience that so that they can fall in love with reading. Or even if we're not talking about falling in love with reading, but just being able to follow directions. Strategies are so, so important and something that comes so natural to many of us, but our students need help. Now, we know that strategies are important. We know that our kids need that. But the second thing that our kids really, really need to help improve their comprehension is a purpose. So I feel like lately in the last couple of years, setting a purpose has really become something that has been discussed. It has been talked about. But what does that mean to have a purpose? So for our students with disabilities, for our students who fool us by appearing to be really great readers, but then some aspects are so challenging for them, they need a purpose. And I think strategies and purpose really work so well hand in hand. So for me, in my mind, giving them a purpose, such as, I think the main idea of this story is that humans are really harming our ecosystem. That's what I think the whole thing is about. 
Now, when I read, guys, I need for you to decide, am I right or am I wrong? That's a purpose. And by God, those kids are going to be so happy to tell you that you're wrong or that you're right. You have to give them a purpose. What am I listening for? Maybe I'm telling a story or we're re- as we're reading a story, it's about a character who makes a mistake. So maybe before you begin reading, you say, all right, when I am finished reading this, or when we as a group, or when you by yourself, whatever, however you want to do that, maybe depending on your group or your age level or their ability, you might tell them, I want you to be able to tell me in one sentence what their pro- what this character's problem was. That is a purpose. They have one job after finishing that. Only one job. And it gives them a purpose. Maybe it's, guys, I really think that this story is so funny. And I want your purpose to just be relaxing and reading. Just see how many times do you laugh as you read this story? Or can you find the silliest joke or the silliest thing that this character said? So for many of our kids, their purpose for reading is my teacher told me to. And I hate to tell you, that is not the motivation or the purpose that they want or need. So maybe it's because we know those kids love highlighters. Maybe it's, I'm going to give you a highlighter and I want you to look for one sentence that tells the most interesting fact or that tells what this whole story is about. Give them a purpose. Give them something to do, something to think about so that as they're reading, they're questioning every single sentence. Did that tell me about, you know, Maria's problem? Did that tell me about Maria's problem? No, this sentence that told me about Maria's problem. That was what was going on. So it really gives them something to do while they're reading. So to tie in strategies and having a purpose, I utilize what I call think time in my small groups. So to me, we know that oftentimes kids who can read very fluently but they can't always understand what they're reading, they're lacking strategies. And in our group, we are literally practicing strategies every day. So in my mind, they need some time to think about that, some time to use that strategy. And for so many of our kids, if we don't present that time, they're not going to use it. They're not going to do it. They don't know I should stop and think about what's going to happen next. I should stop and compare and contrast two things or compare what I would do to what the character did. And they also don't have a purpose. So a lot of times before we begin reading a particular passage or a paragraph or a section of a nonfiction text, I might tell them, you know, we're going to work on making a prediction. And as we read, I want you to be thinking about what is Maria going to do? How is Maria going to handle this problem? Whatever it might be, and ask them to make a prediction. In that, we are covering a strategy. We're practicing a strategy together. And I'm also giving them something to do, something to look for, a purpose as we read. And then after we read, I'll kind of restate again. Okay, remember. I want to know, what is Maria going to do next? 
And then I'll set a one minute timer. And during that time, it is absolutely quiet. And the only thing that my students are doing is looking back in the text and thinking to themselves. So think time, it took a lot of practice to get to where we are right now. Initially, and maybe it's just the particular group of boys that I have, they're wonderful. Some days I want to pull my hair out. Some days I want to hug them. I feel like we've all been there, right? But this particular group of boys, they're very impulsive. And so when I say, what do you think Maria is going to do next? Five answers are out in no time. Half of them make sense. Half of them don't. And I don't even know what was said. So we need some time to slow down. Look back and see if what you're thinking makes sense. So for me, think time is one minute, silence. You're just going back and reading. The only thing I really should hear is maybe some whisper reading as you go back and read a paragraph here or there. And you are taking that time to process or go back and reread to be able to answer that question that I gave to you. So for me, it's one minute, one question, one purpose. It's very focused. And that's what our students struggle with. With strategies, they're hard because they've learned this whole mess of tricks, but they don't know what to do with them. They don't know what it means to make a prediction. They don't know what it means to compare and contrast, and they need help and support with that. So by demonstrating that and then asking them to do that, you're giving them a nice comfortable space, you're giving them some time to think, you're giving them a job and a question to answer. So to me, think time is a great way to bring strategies and purpose together. And then I love it because that minute sometimes feels forever, feels like it's forever, but it slows down some of those impulsive students. And for the kids who need some time to truly think and process information, it gives them time to kind of collect themselves. Like, okay, when she calls on me, or if she calls on me, or if she makes me talk to my partner, what am I going to say? So I love, love, love think time as a way to help them implement strategies, have a purpose, and begin to really slow themselves down. And then I tell them later, look, you can make a prediction. Remember when we read, you know, yada, yada, yada the other day, and you told me this, you made a prediction. You're getting good at this. You're practicing this. Now, can you use that strategy on this assessment or on this, you know, test or in your classroom? So it's not 100% independent, but it's a great way to practice using strategies and having a purpose. So think time is a way to practice those, but I want to get back to the other two things that you can do or that you need to be aware of to help some of those students who read fluently but don't always understand. Now, the first is something we have already talked about in a previous episode, and that is background knowledge. Sometimes we throw students into a text, we assume that, hey, you've probably done this, seen this, heard about this, you're ready to read about it. But we really need to talk about background knowledge. Without background knowledge, they're reading that and they have nowhere to put that information in their brain. 
it literally is just floating around because it doesn't have a home. They don't have a file folder to say, okay, well, I already knew this about whales. And now I know this about whales. Bam, those go together. They don't have that. They haven't experienced that. So sometimes it is our job as teachers to activate it. Maybe it's there, but they need you to pull it out of them just a little bit. Or maybe they really have no understanding, depending on the topic, and they need a video, a picture, a story, something to help them know what the heck is she talking about when she's talking about whatever passage you're reading or whatever that topic happens to be. One thing that comes to my mind is a telegraph. We read a story in my reading series of few weeks ago now about a telegraph and that was new. Kids couldn't even fathom what like Morse code or the dots and dashes and how would you communicate that and things like that. So we found some YouTube videos. We looked at pictures of what a telegraph was. We looked at what the Morse code was on a chart so that we could see, well, if you want this letter, you're going to tap, 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 or, you know, you're going to hold it. We looked at all of that before we even read the story. We built some background knowledge so that when they read, they have somewhere to put that information. That again gives them a purpose. Maybe you might tell them, okay, now we looked at this chart of the Morse code. We watched this video. As we read, let's see if we can find one new fact, something we didn't know about a telegraph. So really building up their background knowledge so that they have somewhere Think of it as a house without a foundation. If they don't have a foundation, you can read all the things you want, but it's not going to be very solid. If we want it to be solid and we want it to stick, there has to be something there to start with. So as teachers, it's our job to give them a good solid foundation, aka background knowledge, before they begin reading. Otherwise, it's all for nothing. Now, the last weakness or the last skill that students struggle with when it comes to being great readers, but not so great in comprehension, comes down to organization. Now, organization can really come in two different formats. It could be they struggle to organize information as it comes into their brain, or it could be that they don't see the organization in what is presented to them. So I'm going to talk about each of those kind of separately so we don't confuse the way in which those things are organized. Students who have difficulty with executive functioning will likely have lower comprehension than their peers who are very organized. So when we're thinking about all this information that we're reading, we read something that's, you know, multiple pages, we read a whole chapter in science or a whole unit in social studies or, or whatever, and we have all this new information. How do I start to organize it? How do I start to think about it in my head? How do I remember? Their brains aren't naturally thinking of, okay, well, here it was talking about plants. And here it was talking about animals. So I can store some of this plant information in my plant part of my brain or in that, you know, little pocket. And here it's talking about animals. Okay, so this information goes with plants. This information goes with animals. They aren't naturally organizing things in a way that makes sense. 
They're just reading all this stuff. Plants, animals, plants, animals, this, that. It's all coming in and they don't have anywhere to go with it. Also, on the flip side, they may not see organization that is laid out in front of them. So with this, if you think of that science or social studies book that they might be reading about, and it has different headings, different chapters, different graphs and charts and captions, it's organized in a specific way. And you need specific strategies to read text that's written like that. But you're going to use a different set of strategies for a fictional text that's written about maybe two friends who happen to have a disagreement and there's a beginning and a middle and an end. The types of questions that are asked are going to be different. The things that you're going to see in those texts will be different. And to see organization is hard for them. They don't know how to tackle that because they don't even know how it's organized and what a reader might do differently for a nonfiction compared to a fictional text. So seeing organization or being able to organize that information can be a real problem for some of our students. A lot of times ADHD or ADD might be playing a factor in that organizational piece because it's just hard for them. It's just a, a difficulty for them. They're probably the student who has a desk that's a mess who can't ever find their homework, who forgets to charge their Chromebook every night. Some of those students are also students who are probably seeing some of these weaknesses in comprehension just because of the way their brain is organized or that it's just organized differently than what some of their higher achieving peers might be. Maybe you're like me and you are thinking, geez Louise, no wonder it is so hard for our students to understand what they have read. No wonder they can read the words, but they can't tell what happened in the story. No wonder. Look at all of the things that go into it. Now, for us as teachers, we need strategies and activities and routines. We need so many things in our arsenal to help them become better comprehenders. So in next week's episode, we're going to talk about all of the pre-reading activities that you can do so that you can make sure you are regularly covering strategies that they're going to need, that you're giving them a purpose, that you can help build their background knowledge and help them organize information. So I cannot wait to see you next week in episode number four. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.